the Monday Rewind. Exhaustion for Captain O'Connell, but Ireland have beaten England here, and they remain unbeaten in the Six Nations. I think our first half discipline was very good. First 20 minutes of the second half was excellent. Our half kicked really well, knocked the points over the bar. Robbie Henshaw took a great try. The shot for Coutinho! That's a spectacular goal! He's done it for the second time in a week! Billy Coutinho bends it beyond Joe Hart and Liverpool lead 2-1. We can get into the top four this season. It's a better achievement than what we did last year because of the our start position at the, end of the, at the beginning of this season. But there's still a lot of games to go. Thomas Wozinski on the edge of D shoots low right footed, takes a deflection. That's all three points for Arsenal. It's Arsenal 2, Everton 0. You see it's very tight uh, at the top. It's very tight behind us. We are not far away from Man City. So that will just be down to the consistency of our performances. In there you heard from Ireland captain Paul O'Connell on his side's win over England in the Six Nations. Off the ball's goal commentary of Liverpool's winner against Manchester City and Arsenal's against Everton along with the managers. We'll have more on that throughout the show and we'll hear from the Ireland women's coach Tom Tierney after they beat England in Ashburn on Friday night. As well as all that, there is Alan McLaughlin on the Premier League weekend plus Hurling Development Committee Chairman Liam Sheedy on the changes to the sport as voted on by Congress over the weekend and we have a brief word with the GAA's new president, Egon O'Farrell. On the pitch, Kerry beat Dublin and we hear from Kingdom captain Kieran Donaghy and Dublin manager Jim Gavin as well as Donegal's Christy Toy on their victory over Cork and Westmead's manager Tom Cribben talks about beating Kildare in the league for the first time ever. The Cricket World Cup continues and we're back in green ahead of Tuesday's game with tournament favourite South Africa in Australia's capital Canberra. Coach Phil Simmons gives us his pre-match thoughts. A win might be enough to put us through but that depends on the run rate which is essentially cricket's kind of goal difference. We need need another two wins to be sure though. First though it's rugby and the reaction of Shane Jennings and Dennis Hurley to Ireland's 19-9 win over England to come but first here's Joe Schmidt, Paul O'Connell and Stuart Lancaster and uh, winger Simon Zebo on if it felt comfortable out there considering the scoreline. Jeez, it didn't feel comfortable. <laughs> you know, I, it felt like one of the quickest games I, I played. I don't know why. It must have been the backfield cover. That was probably a testament to George Forge. You know, he had us on our toes and we were constantly trying to cut off space. And, um, you know, it just felt like a, a, a tough, quick game. And, you know, in the last 10 minutes there, they were really putting us under the pump and, and uh, one or two little decisions could have swung the match either way. So. Uh, you know, I think we're doing a lot of things really well. You know, the way we're preparing is a lot different to what we've done throughout my time here. And uh, I just think the game-by-game focus really suits us. It suits, you know, Irish teams, Irish people. You know, we, as I said before, I'm sure the coaches look at the bigger picture. But for us, and I know the way that, that the preparation for Wales will go, there'll be a fairly brutal review of this game. And, and we'll... You know, we'll be, <laughs> be put under pressure then to, to prepare... You know certain things for the Welsh game, and that'll be that'll be the sole focus for the players, and and it works well for us. It gets the best out of us. A lot of competition as well for places, which means when guys come in or get an opportunity, like Tommy O'Donnell, you know, against Italy, or like Tommy O'Donnell today, or Jordy today, guys are prepared and they 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 really go after it and take it, and it puts pressure on the coaches, it puts pressure on guys that may come back in. Um, and yeah, look, it's creating a brilliant setup and an exciting setup to be involved in. I, I think again, you know, the the quality of the English players, whether it's their power carriers like uh, Billy Vunapola, uh, Jack Noll carries very very powerfully, 
all their fleet-footed guys like Alex Good uh, carried the ball really well. Jonathan Joseph, uh, Watson got uh, a bit of space one time and you wouldn't want to give them space a second time. I, I just felt that the fact that we kept them off our try line, uh, we showed a, a lot of character in the last quarter when they started to come in swarms at us and uh, you know, I think the players can be really proud of the, of the effort and uh, the probably the, the structure they maintained through that period. I think some of the key points, discipline obviously in the first half, you know, I think it was an 8-4 penalty count at half-time, uh, and you know, with Ireland playing a very effective kicking and territory-based game, if, you, if you're ill-disciplined, obviously they can build a score to, to 9-3 at half-time, um, so I felt we were still in the game at that point, um, without really having got our game going. Um, but obviously a couple of key, key moments in the second half and none more so than the try. This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Joe Schmidt, Paul O'Connell, Simon Zebo and Stuart Lancaster on Ireland's 19-9 win over England at the Aviva in the Six Nations. Still to come, we'll look back on Liverpool's victory over Manchester City, Arsenal's win over Everton and Manchester United's defeat of Sunderland. Also, Chelsea's League Cup win against Spurs. More on rugby now and Ireland's win over England. After the game Shane Jennings and Dennis Hurley of Leinster and Munster respectively analysed the win with off the ball and not only did Jennings talk about the game by the way also he speaks to Adrian Barry about reports in the Sunday Times suggesting that Issa Nathiwa could be on his way back to Leinster to play next season. First though they talk about the game itself at the Aviva when you come through a game like that as a group of players together you know that's where the real trust uh, starts to develop and that's where you kind of really enjoy it you, you start digging in for each other and I think they can only grow from here you know they've they put in a huge effort together um, both in attack and defence and you know it was physical they, the, the lads put it in and you could see their body language at times they were blown and uh, I think when you come through a battle like that together and you come out the right side of it you know you can uh, you can kind of really trust each other to kick on and try and go for bigger and better things. So, you know, it's all very, very positive. Um, yeah. I think managing expectations is going to be a bit of a challenge. Uh, but uh, I think we've got a, a decent group of players and I think we're led by an exceptional captain who knows who knows the crack, who knows uh, how to control uh, a lot of the situations. And, uh, you know, I'm certainly having a lot of confidence in how they're going to be able to manage the next two weeks. We talked at the start, Dennis, about whether this was a championship decider or not. Um, and we won't know, obviously, for the next uh, couple of weeks. It's to Wales on March the 14th and then to Scotland in the final round. Have you seen enough of Ireland over the, over the, last, over the first three matches there to suggest that they can see this out? Yeah, they have, they have I think, you know, uh, as we said, I suppose, a game plan that works for them. You know, they have a group of players that are quality. They've... Um, you know, and, and there's lads that are slotting in very well there that they're bringing in off the bench. So I mean, um, obviously, I think Johnny could be a bit of a worry maybe for that that Welsh game. Um, so you know, it'd be interesting to see whether he'll be fit and available. But I think the fact that we have uh, that they have a, a break next weekend, that there's no game, so that gives him an extra week of of, of uh, I suppose trying to get it right. And um, you know, I mean, it, it's still going to be a very tough ask, you know, away. Um, like Wales going over to France uh, and beating them um, this weekend is, you know, just shows that there is a real, you know, I suppose fight in them, like that they really want to come back and and prove, I suppose, to their own, their home country that they're they're they're, I suppose, a quality side and, and that they're worth supporting and that mm. and 
um, sh- should be make for a very interesting game, really, because. Um, what sort of a game will it be? I mean, you know, I, like, it, like Shane rightly says, it's probably not a time to be overly critical of Ireland here in terms of the game plan. To have a game plan that we're sticking to and it's winning rugby and it's doing the job. Like, what sort of a game? Uh, traditionally, Wales, obviously, our team would like to fling this thing around a bit. What sort of game can we expect there? Yeah, they do like to fling it around, but I think. Um, They've kind of, I think, in some of the games, uh, I suppose, against England at the first game, that they were kind of a bit, a bit criticised, I think, by their own media, and that that you know that they weren't really, um, I suppose, using the best aspects of their game. And their best aspects, I think, at times is what is when they they kind of they were able to use the likes of um, Roberts in the midfield, and but then be able to, I suppose, work work off that and and be able to create the space in the wider channels, which they didn't really do in that game, and. Um, I think you know that there's going to be times where um, I think their pack might, might you know need to front up a bit more. Um, I'd, it'd be interesting to see how the Irish pack get on against them um, because I think uh, you know that they're, 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 it should be a good battle. Um, but I think Irish back row alone should be should be stronger, really. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think there'll be it'll, it'll make for a very interesting game. And I suppose. I'm not sure how how well functioning. I didn't actually get to see the game the other night now, so I mm. don't know how well um, uh, bigger went went to, at ten. And yeah, well, Shane, you might talk to us specifically about that, and and specifically in terms of uh, the back row today, Peter Romani, Sean O'Brien, and obviously Jordy Murphy coming in for Jamie Heaslip. So how how well they performed today, and also in the context of Wales in a couple of weeks, how that might go. Yeah, no, I think people are probably. Uh talking up the English back row how well balanced they were and I, I certainly was one of them anyway as well but I think the Irish back row did very very well I think there was a good balance there as well I think Jordy's going to grow in confidence obviously having another start under his belt because it definitely is a step up and I think all credit to Tommy O'Donnell again mm. you know coming on again and, and did very very well so they've got options there and I think with Reese Rudolph coming back for Leinster and a few other players that are going to be arraigned whether Jamie's going to be available whether Shoney's going to be available is going to have an impact on that so uh, we'll have to wait and see what way it kind of uh, what way happens over the next few days I think uh, Wales as well for whatever reason when uh, the Irish provinces uh, play against Welsh teams you know we're always quite confident going in against them but when they play for Wales they're a different animal and especially at home as well you know and in the past they've done jobs in us so um, they certainly won't be in any way intimidated of Ireland coming over unbeaten and then they'll be quite confident I would have thought you know mm. they certainly raised their game I think Bigger's a, a quality player he controlled the game quite well the other night and uh, he's very very dangerous I think from what Dennis was talking about, they looked to um, they looked to Roberts to give them that initial carry, and then they've got Falatau second phase as an option usually, um, but then they've got some seriously dangerous players in broken play, and, and they've got a good skill level. They've probably got one of the higher skill levels in the Six Nations that other oppositions don't have. So I think they're going to offer a lot more threats around the park than England probably have, but um, it's nice going into a game where you're confident. Uh, knowing that if you do what you have been doing and you stick to that kind of formula, that you ha- will put yourself in a good position. I think, unfortunately, a lot's going to uh, a lot's going to be determined whether Johnny's fit or not, um, because he has such a huge influence on the game and uh, such a huge influence on the team. So, you know, um, touch wood, everything's going to be all right. And um, he's just—it's so important for the team that he—he's fit and healthy. Yeah, a couple of weeks obviously will uh, do no harm on that front as well and hopefully Ireland I, I presume Shane when we're having that conversation or if and when we're having it over the next couple of weeks that is the this is the championship decider in, uh, in Cardiff Yeah, you're still talking about this championship decider <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to you about a championship decider hopefully in Scotland we'll leave it off till then um, I just think Wales are too good you know what I mean and, and yeah. it's, it's a very evenly matched championship Ireland are going really well I think if 
they can look at what they did well they can assess what they need to improve on I think uh, they're only going to get bigger better and stronger so what, what uh, are the main things Shane when you know like <clears throat> we frequently hear and you've been in enough of them to know about the intensity of a, a Joe Smith uh, match review what are the like we've kind of touched on some of them but the main things that he's going to be drilling into the lads over the next week or so well, I think he's going to look at obviously the positives initially. I think the way they control the ball, I thought the restarts were exceptional, like I've said, and that didn't allow England to get into the game at all. Um, and then I think the ability, you know, everybody thinks Joe is process driven and listen, we got to do this, we got to do this. That that's that's a template, and I think he gives the opportunity or he gives that uh, ability for the players to adapt to situations. So you know they're going to be coming under pressure in Cardiff, and they're going to have to adapt to a situation that's not going to actually fall into line. So mm. they've got to have that ability to back themselves. And I think they have that and I think they can grow in confidence but I think they'll look at the line speed as an issue I think um, at times if they had got line speed you, you saw the first moment or the, the moment in the first half when Johnny really just went at forward and then um, Henshaw went at Burrell like that lifted the whole team mm. and if they can keep doing that at, at certain times in the game you know that, that's access points into the game and I think at one stage in the second half Henderson rushed at the 10 or whoever it may have been from England put him under massive pressure he had to kind of come out of it but nobody came up on the other side of the rook if we got that line speed from both sides of the rooks they wouldn't have any they wouldn't have had any answer to it mm. so I think that's a, that's, a, that's a real thing that they can look on and they can grow and develop and if they do that you know that's not going to allow Bigger and the likes to have too much time in the ball because they're going to be dangerous if they get time in the ball all right. Well, look, Shane. We can hear the. I think it's the Hoover's out behind you there. So I presume there's uh, very few people left there. Before we let you away, I did want to get your thoughts on uh, a piece in the Sunday Times today by Peter O'Reilly uh, saying that Leinster are to apply to have Ethan Athewa back uh, to replace. Well, it might have been yourself, but Jimmy Gopperth uh, in the Leinster squad for next season. Obviously, a guy who retired sort of eighteen months ago thereabouts and been part of the coaching staff at the Auckland Blues. There's been no clearly confirmation from a Leinster point of view as yet, but broadly. Uh, he's 33 still only 33 I think this year still a player he's only a baby yeah 33 <laughs> I couldn't believe it he retired at what must have been 30 I think he's probably younger than that to be honest yeah. uh, now that's the first I've heard of it and um, if I've heard it here on news talk it must be true so uh, <laughs> no I don't I genuinely don't know um, as players thankfully we don't get involved in those things but uh, from a player's point of view who had played with him he had such an influence on the place he's very good on the pitch, very good off the pitch. Now, whether or not this is going to happen or if it's just rumours, I don't know. But I think as a, as players, they don't need love to have him back. But um, whether there's any truth to it, I would, I would question. This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Dennis Hurley and Shane Jennings on the 19-9 win over England at the Aviva. Up next, it's Wales on Saturday week at the Millennium Stadium. Congratulations, by the way, to Dennis Hurley who helped Munster to a 22-10 win over Glasgow Warriors in the Guinness Pro 12 on Saturday. The Reds now top one point ahead of the Warriors while Leinster are fourth following Friday's 9-0 draw away to Ospreys Ulster are third three points ahead of Leinster after their 25-20 win against Scarlets at Kingspan Raven Hill on Friday Connacht still on course for a Champions Cup spot after a bonus point 53-5 win over Treviso at the sports ground in Galway Coach Pat Lamb spoke to Galway Bay FM's Rob Murphy about the victory and next Friday's game away to ninth place Cardiff we saw the results and we, we knew we, there was um, everyone was 
all our supporters, everyone wanted the outcome. We knew we wanted the five points. But we um, really focused on a process this today on about pressure and going from minute to minute. And we, we started off well and there was a few little ropey bits, but you know, to be fair to the boys, we're playing in quite a tough one. And so... Uh, we knew if we can get to half-time ahead uh, that um, we spoke at half-time about really going for it now and applying the pressure on on them, uh, you know, obviously starting from set-piece. and But I highlighted on some video clips at half-time where there's opportunities, spaces, and anything letting us down was a little bit of time and, and, and passing. And, um, you know, uh, fair play to the boys and great, great squad effort. We've got everyone on the field and, um, and everyone contributed. So uh, feet firmly on the ground. We've got a very unusual five-day turnaround away game so we you know we've um, we're recovering tomorrow but normally the boys have a day off but we've got to do a team recovery tomorrow do a video session in the afternoon and then um, we've got to do an indoor session out at Mari and probably only have one training run before we get on the bus at six o'clock on Thursday to head down to Cardiff. I suppose the intensity will impress you a lot as well because the lads got an early try but they didn't let off and even that spell just before half time proved that Treviso had something to offer and they answered it after half time. Yeah you're right there I think the lessons we got from and they stood contrasting games was the Scarlets game versus the Dragons game and there was a lot of stuff structurally that was okay but the bottom line was the intensity wasn't there which and desire and you know body language stuff individuals and we spoke about that and it was a lot better last week and so when you can say well which which Connacht's going to turn up you know challenge them is it going to be the the Dragons game or the Scarlets game and if it is the Dragons we still need to go up higher and, and, and that you know that's what they brought and, uh, and that's what's pleasing because if our guys are up we're in you know we got a chance every against anybody When the skill levels are so strong right mm. at the end for that try which is one of the better tries I've seen Connick score that last one was outstanding score through the phases yeah. is that something that you feel the fruits of the hard work that's gone on over the last maybe 12 months are, are starting to pay off now? Yeah it is I mean we um, you know I call I have things I call team skills where um, you know, um, one to fifteen, whatever position you need to be able to do certain things, so that we have more options available and, more, and we can play the game we need to. We need to on any given day against uh, to win the game and taking in the, the the opposition, what they give us and the conditions. So um, it's a con- continued work on when you never you never stop, and, but you keep challenging and you know fair play to the coaches and uh, and obviously the players. Uh, there's a lot of work done on skill level, and um, and when it comes off, it is. And when we know we blew a couple with some, you know, poor passes, and and when you know, that's what we're after. And in structure at half time, it's easy to just say, you know, heads up, just nail this, and that it will come if you do that. And um, and the boys did it good at um, a, a lot of the time in that second half. Did Ali Muldani make a single mistake in that game? He just seemed to be everywhere. Well, I think there's competition. That's yeah. that's the biggest one. The second row one now with people back. Uh, you know, obviously we it was, we were just missing Swifty, and um, you know we're hoping he gets back. But you know, when you consider um, uh, Ali Quinn, McCartney, Andrew Brown, Andrew Brown's, you know, he's uh, busting for a game as well. And Alton Delan, he did well in the Winter Internationals. So uh, Danny Coulter's, you know. Pushing hard as well, he did well in Bayonne. So the second row is, is the most competition at the moment. So you um, you need to perform to um, to keep your nose in there. And, and Ali's doing a great job. We were really impressed with Tiernan O'Halloran as well. Yeah. The backline they went very well. Uh, you know, Tennant's uh, class. Uh, you know, like I, the thing I like about he's a real leader. He's clear. You, you know, there's people who talk and people who talk clearly and talk sense and talk the right things and organise and. You know, he's certainly learnt a lot from, um, you know, he's, he said that, and as you can see, he certainly learnt a lot from Mills, and uh, you know, a lot of that's rubbing off on him too. And um, so, um, yeah, it was good to see him back because, you know, it was just such an unfortunate injury he had, and he's been out for most of the season. But, um, you know, with Daryl Eater going down last week, and uh, it was great to bring, you know, Tina back in there.
massive game next week. Big game. You know, we, we're the last game of the round today, and now we, um, we're the first game next week. So, um, you know, if we can go down there and, and do the job and, um, you know, and before the round, the rest of the game start, we put ourselves in a, in a strong position if we uh, can get the outcome. That was Connor coach Pat Lamb on their win over Treviso yesterday at the sports ground. Later on the Rewind podcast, we'll speak to Ireland's women's coach Tom Tierney on their win on Friday night. Now, though, it's football. And on Sunday, Chelsea claimed a 2-0 win over Spurs in the Capital One Cup final at Wembley. Uh, Terry and Costa somewhat fortunate that their strikes were deflected on the way to goal. Jose Mourinho to come, but first let's take a look back on a big day in the Premier League in which Liverpool beat Manchester City 2-1 at Anfield and Arsenal overcame Everton 2-0 at the Emirates. Liverpool now fifth and they haven't been beaten in the league in 2015 while City haven't won in the league at Anfield since 2003. Off the ball commentator Nathan Murphy spoke to former Ireland international Alan McLaughlin who was at the Emirates as part of our commentary team and started by focusing on the Gunners 2-0 win against the Toffees. I think today if that would have been a, for example a Crystal Palace coming here to the Emirates you know who are going to get the ball forward quicker be more direct maybe more physical uh, it might have caused them a few more problems uh, but the way Everton play and, and try to play in the first half, really, the game didn't burst into life at any sort of stage within that first half. And it was a, a good goal from Giroud. It was a nicely taken uh, volley, a low volley. And, and, and poor from Everton uh, in terms of didn't really create too much. But then they changed the second half, Everton. They went more direct and caused them more problems. Nine corners in the second half for Everton showed a pattern in what they tried to do. And, uh, you know, Arsenal sat in. They were quite content sitting in. And... Uh, in the end, uh, two moments of, of decent play have gotten them result. And I think overall, you know, they were fairly comfortable, but uh, they huffed and puffed Everton. But really, they lack a little bit of something, a little bit of direct play sometimes. And if you've got Aaron Lennon and you sign him, you need to play him wide. You need to give him the ball uh, and he needs space to run into. And if they can do that, they probably will stay up. But thankfully for Everton, there's, there's worse teams than them at the moment because they are struggling. Yeah, it is remarkable after the success they had last season and all the praise that was heaped upon Roberto Martinez that we're talking about them staying up. But today's performance is just another worrying performance considering, as you say, Arsenal didn't have to be outstanding, but it was still so comfortable for them. Does this need a complete shift in Martinez's mindset if Everton are to improve between now and the end of the season? Well, I certainly think um, scoring goals is an issue. Lukaku has some goals, but on the evidence of, the, of today, he's a player that is not comfortable when he has to deal with the ball into his feet, and it's not really his game. He wants to run in behind. Now, if, if you pay that much money for him, for me, you have to play to his strengths, and Everton don't do that enough. Aaron Lennon, they've signed, he wants to run in behind. He, he's someone that wants to be on the line and take players on. But at the moment, he came, well, he came on in this game, and he played infield, and Seamus's Seamus Coleman's job was to go down the outside. Yeah. Now, maybe a change of emphasis, uh, and it may be in a change of emphasis on how they play within games, i.e. you can't keep passing your way through teams. Arsenal can, because in the last third, they have the likes of Sanchez, they have Riziki came on and made a difference, can score a goal. Uh, they have Welbeck, who can notch a goal now and again. Giroud, who's got a great record. Oxlade-Chamberlain, that's the difference. They have better players in the last third of the pitch who get goals on a regular basis, and Everton don't have that luxury. Alexis Sanchez is going through something of a slump at the moment. Seven games without a goal now in all competitions. And he just didn't seem to be firing at all cylinders. He's played a lot of games over the last few years. Is that a concern for Arsenal that if, if, if Sanchez goes through a barren spell for a couple of months that this re- season may really just fall off for them? Well, not really. Um, I think he might need maybe a game out just to rest and recharge the batteries. He has had a lot of game time, you know, and, and he has been a real hit since he's come in. But Theo Walcott... Is, is, is coming back 
from injury. He's somebody else they can use. But the problem Arsenal have is the likes of Riziki, you know, he'll play three or four games and he's, he's out and injured for three or four yeah. others. So he's heavily reliant on Sanchez. He did a job today and his job really, even though he was playing at home, was to look after Seamus Coleman which says a lot for Seamus, being such an attack-minded player, that he spent most of his game, Sanchez, doing a defending job. And, you know, Arsenal were fairly defensive today and then looked to counter-attack. More of the Arsenal I've seen in recent months. It obviously didn't work against Monaco, who had a different setup. So, um, lots to think about, but Arsenal will be more concerned about the three points. More yeah, concerned confident, about... Confident they'll finish in the top four? I think so, yeah. I think, I th- I think they'll finish in that fourth spot. Our first game on Off the Ball today, Alan, was Liverpool against Manchester City. Two brilliant goals from Jordan Henderson and Philip Coutinho to win it for Liverpool. We'll talk about them first after the defeat in the Europa League during the week, but they've had a really tough run of fixtures over the last while, and they've come through it with flying colours. Was today the most impressive Liverpool performance of the season so far? Well, it certainly looked like it to me. Uh, they looked composed on the ball, particularly in the second half, where they expected uh, Man City to come at them. But they didn't give City a moment's peace on the ball. Yaya Torre looked off the pace because the amount of, you know, the amount of time he didn't have on the ball to dictate and 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 to to run the game. Aguero, as we know, had a couple of chances within the game. You know, one or two moments of magic, but. I think they, they earned their luck today at times and they played very well. In possession, kept the ball very well today. And Brendan Rodgers will be very pleased. Obviously, disappointing result in midweek to go out on penalties. But more than anything, he'd want a response from his team. And more than anything as well, it, it keeps the faith with the Liverpool fans. And, um, you know, it was impressive today. Uh, Man City now struggling a little bit in terms of Pellegrini. Now there'll be questions about him and whether he can take the club forward. Obviously, in, in Europe, they're struggling now. And, uh, and it looks like that certainly the Premier League is a little bit beyond them with Chelsea doing so well. Yeah, we have, I guess we have said that a couple of times this season where it looked as though Chelsea might run away with it and it hasn't quite happened. City have just managed to hang on in there. But there is a real sense now after the week and the defeat and the manner of the defeat of Barcelona and the defeat of Liverpool today that this season's just going to really end with a whimper for Manchester City. I expected more today. I expected more to go into the Goldman, which is on Anfield. I expected a little bit more fight, a little bit more determination. There's a little bit. Of, it seemed a little bit of arrogance in there. That you know, maybe those, uh, you know, quite you know, maybe underestimated Liverpool a little bit. Maybe they could rock up to Anfield and get the job done. And it wasn't the case. And uh, Liverpool had a point to prove. Went out. And like I said, I've got the fans who won't disappear, but certainly one or two critics starting to maybe, you know, voice their opinions about Brendan. But he's managed to galvanise the team. And it certainly proves to me that the team are with him and the way they want to play. Uh, Sturridge come off the bench, which is key uh, for them and made an impact, maybe should have scored himself. So lots of positives for Liverpool today. And, and they won't think they're out of the race for fourth spot either. Yeah, they are just three points behind Arsenal now and they're right there on the heels of Manchester United as well. But it, it, arrogance is, is an interesting word for Manchester City at the moment because they just don't seem to want to do the dirty stuff like Chelsea do. That There's a reason why they haven't maybe defended the title over the past couple of years, that they just do turn up in too many games presuming their talent is going to get through it. Whereas you watch Chelsea, they're really at it in every game. Is, is that down to the difference in the character of the manager? Or is it just the players? No, I think it's the character of the manager. I think it's the mindset he says uh, and, and he dictates how, how things are done. He's obviously, uh, I think, uh, with Mourinho, I think if you don't carry out instructions, if you don't work to the game plan, if you don't work to the team, then I think you're out of the team. And you're out of the team, either you're pulled off, you're dragged off, or you stay out of the team because you're not either doing any training or you haven't done it the game before. So, I mean, I'm not in both dressing room so I don't know I'm guessing looking from the outside there doesn't appear to be that 
that willingness within the City team compared to the, the Chelsea team this year. Now, there are some fantastic individuals, uh, Man City, and half the, half the time maybe that's the problem. But listen, they'll still be there or thereabouts. Um, so they'll have to get over this. They have the quality. And in Aguero, if they keep him fit, anything can happen for them, certainly. And again, he was a, he was a live wire today and a little bit unfortunate. Um, but rotation sometimes doesn't help them with Dzeko in um, one or two players coming in and resting players and they haven't found that, that formula this year they haven't found that consistency so if they can find consistency they'll obviously be there or thereabouts so definitely in the top four for this season but I think the title unless things change dramatically will be going towards Chelsea Manchester United remain in the top four after their 2-0 win over Sunderland it's almost hard to know what to say about Manchester United because we seem to have the same conversations yeah. about them every week. When is the improvement going to come? When is Angel de, de Maria going to start justifying the £60 million price tag? He was taken off at half-time yesterday until the sending off. Again, it was a very flat performance for Manchester United. Is this just it for the season for Manchester United? And they just hope, they have a lot of tough fixtures coming up, that they just hope they somehow end up in the top four and then try and rebuild again next summer? I'm I'm pretty sure it's the same. It's fairly, I mean, similar to Arsenal, really, in terms of players and top players get them out of situations, i.e. Rooney with a a good penalty and then the header, but they're relying on individuals to get them through. Uh, Listen, I mean, United fans and certainly uh, the manager will argue about their defensive record is very good, but it's a transition and that transition is is, is hard to see when you've seen United be such a free-flowing team over the years, particularly with Ferguson and then obviously the change of managers and it hasn't flowed. Falcao hasn't fitted in. He, he, He hasn't worked the way they've liked him to work. And, and, and they're playing quite laboured football at time, and there's not that exciting thrust about United. And, and it's something they're going to have to really grind out between now and the end of the season. So it's going to be a fascinating end to the season. Liverpool starting to show some improvement. United just getting away with it so far, but grinding out results. Arsenal similar, but then you look at Arsenal's record and, and the amount of games they've won recently, you, you would say, well, it was just a blip against Monaco. So it'd be a fascinating end to the season um, on how they go. But United need to finish in that top four. It would be disaster for me personally in terms of for the fans for the club for the manager for everyone concerned uh, and in attracting top players in summertime if they don't finish in that top four yeah and on the manager again it's a question we probably ask quite a bit are the players not playing well because of the manager or is the manager not looking good because the players just aren't doing it the way you would expect players of the calibre of Di Maria and Falcao to play I think probably the players um, really um, Obviously, there's an element of the manager. He works out the tactics within the coaching staff. They set the team up. Um, and really, maybe it's the players. Do the, are they buying into really what the manager wants and how he wants? Maybe he's asking them to, to be a little bit too restrictive. Um, I'm not really sure. Is Di Maria playing with the freedom that he did elsewhere? Did, has he got the licence to roam? It probably doesn't. He has to play within a defined structure which the manager sets out. And again, it's a team ethic. And he's very similar to uh, certainly... Jose Mourinho in terms of working for the team and the unit and the good of the club rather than that being that free spirit which maybe Di Maria for example is so it'll take time to adjust and players have to buy into the, into the system and into the way he plays if he gets it right and gets the right players it can be very very effective but I certainly think again it's, it's not the United you're used to seeing and it will be a laboured end to the season and it will be a question mark whether they do finish in the top four you know, because, like I say, Liverpool improving, Arsenal putting pressure on, Man City, obviously, I think will probably finish second with the squad and, 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 and what they've got. So it will be a real, it will be down to the, it could be down to the last game of the season uh, for me, which four I decided.
That's Alan McLaughlin speaking to Nathan Murphy about yesterday's Premier League games and, of course, Manchester United's win on Saturday. This is the Rewind on News Talk. Still to come, a look back at the Allianz League weekend and we hear from Liam Sheedy on the changes made to hurling at Congress over the weekend. But first, Jose Mourinho saw his side beat Spurs 2-0 in the Capital One Cup. It was a good day overall for the Blues as City lost ground in them with the defeat to Liverpool. But Mourinho didn't actually want his team to know the result before they played. However, that plan was spoiled. But one member of my staff jumped in the bus. <laughs> Silvino, no, Silvino, jump in the bus. I want to kill the guy. My, the member of my staff broke the, broke the rule. Well, that was the reaction of Jose Mourinho. Here is Spurs striker Harry Kane on their defeat. Can't be conceding goals just before half-time like that, especially against a team like Chelsea. And, uh, but it's something we learn from, you know. We're, we're a young squad, a very young team, and uh, a lot of us playing our first final. So uh, it's an experience and uh, we hope to be there in many seasons to come and, and winning the trophies. How important is it your season doesn't finish here? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we know that. We know there's a long way to go. We're still, uh, I say, in the hunt for that top four. There's a lot of teams and we've got a lot of games left. So uh, I think uh, we've got a, a good enough character in the team to, to uh, push on for the rest of the season and not, and not let this uh, get us down. Harry Kane speaking to Sky Sports. This is the Rewind on News Talk Gaelic Football now and Mayo are top of Division 1 of the Allianz League. That's after their comfortable win against Monaghan in Castlebar. 3.15 to 11 points, the final score. There was one red card and four black cards in Kerry's 15 points to 110 defeat of Dublin in Killarney. While Cork tasted defeat for the first time this season in the league, going down by a point to Donegal. 12 points to 1.8, the final score in Ballyshannon. Let's hear now from Killarney and Dublin boss Jim Gavin having a veiled pop at the Kingdom, maybe. Listen yourself and see. Uh, but first, here's Kerry captain Kieran Donaghy speaking to Radio Kerry's Gary O'Sullivan. Yeah, we're happy with it. You know, it's, it's nothing to get carried away with either. It's two points in the league. Um, but it's important, you know, Dublin are one of the top teams out there and it was always going to be a tight game. And I just thought we showed great character in the second half. And that's what I asked out of the boys at the start of the game. Just to give it cuts in character and win this game. And I felt we did a small bit more of that. The ball that went into you, Kieran, in the second half was particularly much better. Was that something that was addressed at halftime? Um, yeah, I think we were kind of addressed at the start, but it just it didn't materialise the way we wanted it. Um, but then I think in the second half, fellas got a bit more space and, you know, they put in, put in a good few balls and we were able to battle for it inside. And, you know, I felt we kind of had a few turnovers out the field in the first half. And at least if they go in and you don't win them, you, you have a chance to reset. Whereas if you turn it over out on the middle of the field, you're on the back foot early. But I know the boys put in great ball to me in the second half and I was battling away inside as best I could and was able to set up a few scores and help the team to the victory. Did you think you should have had a penalty? I thought I could have, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah, it was definitely close to being a penalty, but sometimes you get him and sometimes you don't. And listen, the bench that came on, even, even Killian flying there from wing back, came off of the black cards. Immense contribution. Yeah, I thought Killian was outstanding and just a particular word for Jack Sherwood, a young fella who, you know, in 2013 he came on against Dublin in a, in a big game in Crow Park. And it didn't really work out for him and, you know, for him to show the character that he's shown in the last year and a half to keep going and keep, keep working. And he's put in unbelievable work in the gym and you could see it out there today and the strength in his tackling, the power in him running forward. And, uh, you know, he's a great fine for us and he showed great potential at underage level. And I'm delighted for him that he was able to put in a man in the match performance out there today and help us. Kieran, it was a kind of a niggly game. I mean, I wouldn't say it was a dirty game, but it was a niggly enough match. But he wasn't going to be bullied, I suppose, at home anyway. No, 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 no. And that's, I think that's an important thing that that we aren't bullied like you know because we will be targeted more now that you're all Ireland champions and you know without doing anything stupid I don't think we did anything stupid um, I think we kept our heads but we just showed a steely determination that 
we were on our home patch and we weren't going to be pushed around and you know that's that's good for the team and it's good for the young fellas to kind of experience that and you know, I just thought it was just a great all-round victory. Yeah. Listen, finally, your own point of view, Kieran. I, I know you've had a long all year with the stacks. I mean, how's the body was? I said it after time. I said maybe Kieran is far superior than the rest, but then again, it could be the other way. You might be tired than the rest as well. Nah, nah, I'm delighted. Look, I was injured, Gary, for about 18 months yeah. with a niggly groin injury that I wasn't moving, and I'm moving now, so I, I don't want to take any break or get any rest. And you know, to be involved in days like this and to get the chance to be captain of your county you don't get that chance too often and, and the work of the Stacks team this year have given me that opportunity to be captain and I don't want to miss any more games than I've missed already and you know I want to be in there I want to be in there fighting with the boys and, and trying to be a leader for them and I felt I did that today Now uh, Jim Gavin the Dublin manager joins me Jim sum that up for me if you would Yeah very good uh, contest for both sides we went hard at it and uh, uh, you know in the end we, we possibly could have got something out of the game deep in the last 10 minutes we, we, we uh, we fought very hard. Um, just Kerry put up a big blank at the fence, and we found it difficult to get through. But overall, very happy with the performance. Um, you know, our players, you know, played the right way. We we took some hits. We got up and, and played the game, and didn't get involved in any referees or any officials, and just tried to play the game as best we could. And you were blooding a few nice players as well coming through. There is, yeah. You know, look at that Kerry side there. Uh, those twelve starting uh, of the starting fifteen who had played in the Ireland final last year, and the player most of the other replacements that came on, uh, they were involved in the game as well last September. So. Very, very uh, strong carry side and, and great for, for some of our players to experience that intensity so early on the season. Just finally, I suppose, Jim, the second half really, Kerry were much improved that they get better ball into Donny. He caused a bit of problems for you, didn't he? Yeah, but I told the boys to uh, handle him very, very well. You know, someone of his calibre um, caused teams a lot, a lot of... Uh, a, lot, a lot of pressure on his side. He's, he played so well with, with, uh, with his club side recently, but uh, I thought our boys managed him very, very well. This is the Rewind on News Talk. Still to come, Liam Sheedy on the changes to hurling and Ireland women's team coach Tom Tierney on beating England. Now, though, more football and Rory Gallagher's Donegal were victorious against Cork in Ballyshannon. Despite being reduced to 14 men, Donegal won 12 points to 1-8. Martin O'Reilly, Patrick McBearty and Michael Murphy, who was given a red card following two yellows, so he won't uh, be suspended, were the leaders on the score sheet. Donegal forward Christy Toy spoke to Oisín Kelly of Highland Radio Sport. I suppose down to 14 men, and that can, was a crucial point in the game, where um, heavy ground stuff like that was going to be tough to play against 15 men, but... Um, Show great character in the last 10 or 15 minutes, hold on to the score and grind out the gun. I suppose this time of year in heavy ground stuff, it's going to be a very tight game. I don't think too many teams are going to run away with victories in heavy ground like that, but um, show great character there on the game. Because eh? he's cruising, he had an opportunity, a missed opportunity to go six points up, and then all of a sudden the game changed and they got their goal. Uh, that's it. I mean, in the, in the, that period after half time, we kind of turned the screw on them and we um, got those points up. And you say that goal probably would have killed the game, maybe, but um, obviously, then the goal they got brought them right back into the game. and um, Maybe I suppose if you look back at it, if they took those couple goal chances, it probably would have been a more comfortable victory. But at the same time, the Corks, you know, the division is very tough in that, and teams aren't really going to lie down either. So um, we're always expecting probably a bit of a reaction from Cork, no matter when, when you're up with a few points. So that, I suppose the important thing was at the end, we, we kept the scoreline in our, our favour. And it was very hard to find openings in there as well, because it was a really, really tight game in particular in the first half, Krista. I mean, you see, with the breeze and obviously the heavy ground was going to be very tough to play in kind of probably quality football and probably allowed the teams to get back into defence maybe a bit quicker than you could move the ball. So um, it was always going to be tough and it wasn't going to be a lot, wasn't going to be a very high scoring game. And especially in the first half, I think it went very well to keep the score down five points to them, which probably was um, a crucial factor in us pushing on the second half. And still on track, two home ones now from, from the two home games played. 
Yeah, so the, probably when you look at the league at the start, you're looking for four home games. Hopefully, to, that's what you're looking for the points first, and then everything else on, on top of that would probably be a bonus. So, or to move forward, maybe on one of the way games as well. But I mean, four four home games is the crucial ones for, for staying up in the division first, and then probably moving on from that. Then yeah, and next week now is, is Monaghan. You, you know Monaghan very well. And they'll, pre- they'll present another very tough challenge for you, and Larry Kinney, Krista. Uh, I mean, with big clashes them this last three or four seasons, even in the league and championship. So. Um, I mean, Monon, you can see the pedigree they have down this last few years. So they're going to be a very tough ask. And um, again, with it, we're at four points now, so six points will leave us in a good position in the league. And um, so that'll lead to next week's game is a big one. Just finally, in your own performance, you can all the point today. You've, been, you've kicked a couple now in this league campaign. Were you happy with your sh- showing and your performance out there, Krista? I mean, I was every, every day. I've got to try and give it everything I have, you know, and um, hopefully you contrib- contribute to the team in some way. And um, any day you get into the jersey, you try your best to hold on to it. And, Give your all when you're out there. So I was, I was pleased that I um, um, was involved with the team there and, and, and contributing some way to the victory. Getting the score too. <laughs> Getting the score, I suppose. The foot was crooked now and again, but uh, <laughs> it's good that I was, I was straight there for that shot, so not so bad. This is the News Talk Rewind, and that was Christy Toy on Donegal's win over Cork. Hope you're uh, safe and well, whether you're listening to us via the website or the off the ball player. Westmead beat Kildare for the first time ever in the league with a 15 points to 12 win in Newbridge, believe it or not. Uh, John Heaslin scored six points from place balls, while Dennis Glennon scored three from play. Tom Cribbins' Maroons are now top of Division 2, although Galway and Leash and Roscommon and Meath do have games in hand following the cancellation of their matches between each other. Here is Cribbins talk to Midlands 103 about beating his own county. I knew we were going fairly well. Um, you know, we were unlucky against Galway. I felt it was more our mistakes, and we learned an awful lot from the Galway boys because they never gave the possession away once. And we just knew if we could uh, stay in control of stuff like that and not drop so many in the keepers' hands, that uh, we had the battling qualities. We really learned that in the DCU game, and uh, how much we want to do well this year. So, um, look, unfortunately, it's uh, my own county. Um, but look, when you're with a team, you have to do the best for the team. And these lads uh, needed to perform today, and they did perform. Three points up at half-time, eight points to five. You would have expected to kill their response in the second half. They certainly gave it. And what about your goalkeeper, Gary Connaughton, on his return? Outstanding performance. Two wonderful saves there. Yeah, Gary's a real leader. He's, um, you know, he's just, he gives you great confidence, too, in, when he's in there. Um, so, look, all over the whole panel, they show great character. They were going to work fierce hard. Um, Kildare asked the tough questions in the second half. And, look, we, we weathered the storm. And when they had to keep attacking us then, we clocked over a few points there to get that win, you know. And from a confidence point of view, now that's a buzzing dressing room in there going into the Mead game next week. Yeah, yeah, look, the Mead game will be just as tough. Um, probably tougher now because... They'll know we four points. Uh, they're going to have to perform, and they're at home. And they showed the character against Kildare last week that they have. So, look, it'll be a great game for us. We're learning the whole time, every single game, if we can improve and learn. And we have a tough one now during the week with our under 21s, and uh, three or four of them. Sure, you see how crucial they are to this team too. Um, so, me, they're in the same boat, and it depends. If we pick up no injuries and stuff like that, you know, it'll be a big help. You know, you talking about the balancing act between you know the 21s and the seniors. It is that time of the year, of course, where the 21. Championship now is is going to be run off. Yeah, look, the lads were mad to play and represent their county well at senior level. And lucky, no one picked up an injury there. Like last week, we picked up two or three injuries at training with under 21s, and they're all okay now. And you know, lucky we got through today with no injuries, and it was a good, tough, fast game. So um, it'll give them massive confidence now going into Wednesday night. Hopefully, 
finally back on the senior front. Four points from six now after three games. The pieces of the jigsaw are slotting into place nicely. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, after our first performance, uh, we knew we were going in the right direction. Uh, the second game, we put up a really, really good battle at home. Uh, we didn't underestimate Galway. They just played really well on the day. And 2-12 should be winning most games, but it didn't. And we just tightened up in a few things. And then we came away with the result today. It puts us in a good position. We'll stick with GA. And over the weekend, Cavan's Aegon O'Farrell became the association's 38th president. We'll hear a lot from him over the next three years. But immediately after his rousing speech that focused on everyone in the association feeling equal from elite players to volunteers who coach kids I spoke to him about his immediate plans This is a wonderful organisation so many things are happening and it's exciting and uh, these are the membership gathered and they're entitled to hear what we're about they're entitled to hear what's going on and that's what I was trying to do but this is a very positive association Well done what are the key things for you to achieve in the first couple of months? I mean, we yeah, well, there isn't really just to sustain and to keep doing what we do and what we do well. I wouldn't be putting a calendar or a timetable of it, of, of of what we intend to achieve in a couple of months because the GA doesn't work that way. But I want to continue what is already happening in the GA that there's energy in the GA and that there's efficiency in everything we do, and that will continue and that will be sustained. But I'm not going to tie myself to a calendar and see at the end of the month was that done and tick a box because we don't tick boxes in the GA. We just play our games and we promote everything we do. Yeah. That provincial championship structure that you mentioned, you said that counties like it as it is, they want it to stay as it is, but it is open to change when maybe it gets to the qualifiers. That's what I was saying, that there are there are always areas for improvement. Well, Parik Duffy has been saying this in his report for many, many years. The provincial championship structure is strong, people enjoy it, but there's always, if we can see better, better uh, proposals, if we can say thing, ways of improving it, we'll do that. We've known for a year that he was to become the president, but the amount of people who were in line to congratulate him and wish him luck was was unreal and as you could hear there he was a little bit distracted uh, during that interview so I'm very grateful to him uh, for doing it despite the crowds that surrounded him at the Sleeve Russell Hotel uh, on Saturday this is the Rewind on News Talk and that was by the way the President Egon O'Farrell who as you heard wants to keep the provincial structures as is but he is open to change uh, regards the qualifiers. Now, Liam Sheedy is the Hurling Development Committee chairman and seems pleased that uh, the one-on-one penalties, a limit of five on the line from 20-metre freeze and the advantage rule and automatic promotion for Christy Ring Cup winners were voted in over the weekend. After the rules were passed, I spoke to the former All-Ireland winning Tipperary manager. Yeah, listen, I'm very happy. Uh, you know, Trilla, in fairness, myself and the committee put in a lot of work um, over the last number of months. Uh, we took on board, I mean, it was really the consultation process and we, we, we definitely broadened the web and spoke to a numerous amount of people and uh, you know we there was there's a number of proposals that didn't appear in Congress today that are equally as important if not more important than what was discussed today but I suppose really what we're talking on today was around uh, the advantage rule and, and the penalty and the uh, disciplinary structures and obviously the promotional delegation but you know I'm delighted to have the three that that, uh, that have come up trumps I think you know the 1v1 penalty got a resounding success um, 84.2% were, were for it uh, certainly I think it'll really add a great spice and I think for the spectator and for, for the players I think it's something that I'm certainly looking forward to seeing um, later, late, later on in the year uh, like was on the advantage rule I mean from the survey nearly 4,000 people completed it, and 9 out of 10 said that the, that, that the advantage rule uh, should be introduced so we felt that we were pushing an open door on this one and I think the 92% obviously, obviously confirmed that today and likewise uh, you know I suppose on the promotion relegation we got we got um, 
got very, very uh, good feedback from the Christy Ring counties in terms of that. They have a real burning desire and ambition to play in the, in the Christy Ring Cup. And I think also the Leinster Round Robin teams, it will, it will Im- encourage them to, to look to seriously improve as well to ensure that they don't find themselves in, uh, in, in, in the, the bottom team in that division. So again, I think that's the, the, you know, the Leinster Round Robin and, and the Christy Ring counties, they're the counties I think that outside of what's been proposed today, they're the ones that we've really got to push, push the game and push the game and, and can continue to look to invest to make the game grow in those counties. Now the two yellow card rule is in if you got two yellows you'd go off you but you could be replaced. That didn't get through. Is that disappointing? Well look at I mean, you know, I think it was it was it was open for discussion. I mean where we were coming from and the motion is that, you know, obviously with fourteen V fifteen now the outcome of the game um, is seriously impacted. So if someone is unfortunate, if the fouls are too innocuous fouls, you know, it is it is a big penalty that the team plays. Um, and we probably have seen a lot of, of uh, you know referees are looking to stamp their authority and, and are, are are very definitely, you know, Ensuring that um, if any in any instance of, of two yellows, you know it is it is it is to the sideline and it has a massive impact on the overall uh, game results. But you know I can I can see both sides of the argument. You know we always felt there was there was pluses and and minuses for it. I think it's always good to present these items for debate and ultimately the the room in Congress decides and and they decided that it wasn't it wasn't for it. And I mean that's that's ultimately that's ultimately fine too. I mean it was this was never a question of making sure that everything be brought up here. Uh, was to be passed. This was really about creating dialogue, and I think it's created really good conversation. And you know, it probably is also going to challenge, you know, in terms of the consistency and how often it happens. So I think it will definitely add focus on the on the issue of issuing yellow cards, and I think that's also good for the game. But we were very, very clear. You know, there is no place for unsporting behaviour on the in, uh, on the on the hurling field, and I think that was very, very. You know, we weren't looking to undermine that in any way, shape, or form. Is there anything that didn't make it to Congress that you think requires maybe? further debate or needs to be looked at a little bit more you'd like to see back on the floor next year or the year after well I think you know the game is you know like we probably there's only like you can imagine we're we're over just you know, about six months at this you know so you know it's a short span of time there was a lot of information to be brought in there was a lot of people to consult with a lot of counties to consult with so you know I think it's always important you know like the overall view here is that hurling is in a really good space um, and I think we are all aware of that and I think the challenge for us all is to look to grow participation and ensure that you know all of the all of the good things that are happening in the various counties to see how can we embed those in some other counties I think um, you know there's no there's no downside in every child I think it's part of our culture and every child should be given the opportunity to play the wonderful game of hurling and, and I think that journey is probably not discussed in Congress today but that's one that will be very much on the, on the Central Council agenda uh, over, the, over the coming days and weeks and I think that's, that's a very very important next step where does it go for you guys? Was was this the end of the road or? Well, look, I mean, you know, we were we were brought in by uh, by Liam O'Neill. I suppose. Look, I'll be honest with you. Up to today, uh, my full focus and the focus of the committee was ensuring that uh, you know the the items that were up for discussion today were very much um, put out there, uh, discussed in a very open and honest manner. And I suppose that 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 was our sole focus. So I hadn't, uh, to be honest with you, Oshin, I hadn't thought beyond eleven o'clock today. And as I said, I'm just overall delighted for the outcome because the committee have worked extremely, extremely hard over the last number of weeks and months would you like to stay involved or look I mean I, as I said hurling is, is, a, is a real passion for me sport is, is a passion for me so you know I, I, any way that I can contribute I suppose I was, I was honoured to be asked by Liam to chair the hurling 2020 committee so it was an opportunity I didn't take lightly and uh, I've really enjoyed the last number of months and you know wh- whatever role I'm asked to do I mean as I said hurling is in my is in my lifeblood and that's not going to change the incoming president Egon O'Farrell has said that you could draw a line from Dublin to Galway and after that the kind of top class hurling stops is that something that you'd like to see change in the GA? And I appreciate this is a kind of a wider question outside of the role that you've just been fulfilling. 
that while there's nothing wrong with the hurling played in the top class counties, there just aren't enough top class counties. Yeah, and I mean we would have called that out in the survey. I mean there's there's places where we've got to protect the game. There's places where we've got to. Uh, to, to grow the game because there is a good base there and there's other places where we actually have to develop a game so I mean you know we've clearly called it out uh, the director of hurling I think is a critical next step and I would be very very enthused from all of the, the I suppose all of the interactions I've had is that I think they welcome that role being reintroduced and that really is about trying to look at counties where you know there isn't really the basis or a foundation for the game and what could we do to instill it because I suppose it's not like in, in general there is you know the, the, the volume or, or, the, or the people are there it's just a question of how do we structure it and how do we ensure that the structures are right you know that, that there's, that there's, there is support from a funding perspective and the right level of coaches because ultimately you know we can all relate back to the time when we picked up our first hurley and the impact one coach had on us and, and I suppose created a, a love for the game that was to last you know, a lifetime ultimately, and uh, I, I think um, you know that's that's ultimately what we're where we're coming at in terms of. I think we've we've got wonderful templates from counties like Cork and Kilkenny and Dublin and the others, and uh, I suppose we feel we have a template that could be reintroduced at some level across the counties. They decide what level they want to start with and look to really build and develop a foundation that they can build a game of hurling on. Liam, the very best of luck with the next step, whatever that is for you, and uh, thanks for talking to us. Thanks, Rashi. This is the Rewind on News Talk, and that was Liam Sheedy on the changes to hurling as approved by GAA Congress over the weekend at the Schlieve Russell Hotel. Uh, they kept us all fed and watered, by the way, and looked after us extremely well. Uh, still to come, Team 33's Raph Diallo on the return of the Electricity League. But first, Ireland take on South Africa in Canberra tomorrow in their third Cricket World Cup match. Following wins over the West Indies and the United Arab Emirates, Phil Simmons' side are in a good position ahead of Tuesday's match. Simmons spoke to Barry Chambers about taking on one of the world's best and coming up against a familiar face to Irish cricket. Everything's been good. Um, it's been it's been nice. Had one shower yesterday that put us inside, but other than that, everything's been good. Um, I'd say as good as leading up to the West Indies game. And uh, everyone fit and ready to go? Yeah, everybody's fit. Um, we're still picking from se- from 15. So that's a good thing always, and everybody's on their toes as to you know, what we're going with this match because every match we're taking it differently. Yeah, and just looking at the conditions here, it's a pretty big ground, uh, uh, but although the boundary shorter, the square boundaries are pretty short. Yeah, we just had to work out how we, pl- how we play on this ground. It's, it's bigger than um, the two grounds we've played on, and um, South Africa are going to be a strong team, as in you know the same thing as us running and, and, and things like that. So we've got to make sure that we are up to everything that we have to do on this big ground. And how are you preparing that uh, ABD Valiers has been in uh, scintillating form in the build-up to this game? Uh, does that give you big problems as a coach? No, no. We, we just work out how we want to bowl to him as, as we work out how we want to bowl to the other seven or eight batters. And, and that's the way we've been we've been taking it. We did the same thing with Chris Gill, who is, who is a menace too. So... We just take it like that and we work it out how we want to bowl to them. If we bowl to them and we bowl well and they score 100, well, that's just that's just a game. But we work out how we, our pace, our our movement, our abilities, how we how we can use that against them. And it's funny, the world of cricket, how it throws up coincidences. We're going to be coming up against Eddie Burrell, the assistant coach at South Africa. Yeah, yeah, it's great to see Eddie. It's been it's been great to see him and, and Russell and, and, and Alan Donald and everyone like that because I've been good friends with all of them for a long time and it, I'm sure he's going to have a, a, a few twinkles in 
it going into this game. Um, so it will be nice and, and it will be always great to, to, to catch up with him. This is the Rewind and that was Ireland cricket coach Phil Simmons. Irish women's rugby team coach Tom Tierney watched his team beat England 11-8 in Ashburn on Friday night. That reignited their championship hopes following the defeat to France two weeks ago. Just like the men's team, they're away to Wales and away to Scotland uh, in the next two matches. It's a busy time for Tierney, who also coaches Cork Khan and Glenstall Abbey, who are still involved in the Munster Senior Schools Cup. They've got their semi-final this week. And we talked about uh, those two commitments. But first, I asked him what the win over England on Friday night meant to him and his players. Yes, absolutely. It was um, it was obviously a brilliant occasion and a brilliant result for the uh, for the players and obviously for ourselves and the management team. Um, you know, coming in coming in new this season. So you know, coming up against the world champions, we knew we were going to be under um, a lot of pressure to to perform and to, to to be as good as we could be. Because if we did, we knew we were in a game. If not, we knew it was going to be a very long night because England are are as good as that. So you know, to to get the result um, was absolutely fantastic for me personally. It's it, it's it, it's it's great. Um, you know, it's and for the other coaches, it's absolutely brilliant. So it's uh, it's onwards and upwards, especially after the uh, the disappointment of uh, two weeks ago when we uh, you know we came so close against France. So um, you know, to to, to have uh, you know kind of got a got a got a few things right from the uh, from the French game and, and employed them into the English game uh, was very very pleasing. What were those few things? Well, again, it was it was more of kind of a, a mental side of things, just to realise that you know the the players are as good as, if not better than, the opposition, um, and and that is something from from the World Cup when they were the two teams that uh, that beat Ireland. So um, you know we just kind of get, got got that try try to as best we could try to get that, that across to the girls and obviously the senior players as well. You know they were driving that from from the inside as well, and you know we worked on our basics and basics at the end of the day at international rugby level is uh, is, is what you're going to get you over the line because everyone else you know are going to be doing the same and whoever can execute those things best you know usually come out on top and you know it, it was very very pleasing to get to get the results and you know to beat the world champions is, uh, is, is a lovely little thing but having said all that you know it, it can count for nothing if we don't perform in two weeks time against Wales over in Swansea I noticed there you say if we do the basics we have a chance that's the first thing to get right is that something that's that's now a, a real thing in Irish rugby because Joe Schmidt says largely the same things whether they win or lose games and we saw obviously they beat England as well doing all the basics right and you know they got their game plan right like yourselves as well and and, and we hear it as well from the, the provincial coaches and and we've seen the success they've had in the last couple of years okay this year isn't ideal granted Leinster are still pushing for the Champions Cup is that a kind of a philosophy that's come into Irish rugby or is it just something that's kind of seeped in over the years of of the standards being upped and the expectation being upped and the teams becoming more successful. Yeah, I suppose it's a bit of everything that you that, that you said there. You know, you know, at the end of the day, professional sport, and you know, even though you know, even though we we, we are technically not professional, you know, we we strive to be as 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 much as possible. But you know, at the end of the day. Um, once you do your basics, that is the solid foundation that everything can be built on, um, both in defence and attack. And you know, if 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 you try to worry about other things or concentrate on other things, then the basics never get done properly, and you know you're always on the back foot. So you know, while while everyone you know you you look at all the best teams, and obviously you know the the Irish the Irish uh, senior team yesterday, you know it, it wasn't flash, it wasn't um, you know it wasn't champagne rugby for the for 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 for, uh, for the fans to watch, but you watch all the little details 
detail that's actually being executed uh, minute after minute after minute. And that's what the building block, especially in a professional era now where analysis is so strong, you know, preparation is so strong between teams and, and, and everyone knows exactly what's going to happen. So, you know, when you can perform under pressure and do the basics under pressure, I think, you know, that is that is a huge stepping, stepping stone to a, a possible victory uh, on, on match day. And you're planning for the Wales game in two weeks with the championship still in mind. How much easier does that make it for you? And how much easier does that make it to motivate the players? Well, there's like again, you know, these, these this group of players, you know, absolutely, you know, one hundred percent self motivated, and they don't, you know, they know exactly what they're about, you know, and they've and they've been through it now. A lot of them have been through it now for the last two years, from a, a Six Nations a Grand Slam into a, a really, really successful World Cup. So, self motivation from, from 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 those players is uh, is very, very evident, um, and you know, obviously, you know, us coming in as a new management team, you know, adding a few little bits and pieces on top of all that you know it's 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 always a nice mix and it's always a positive environment when you get the results obviously we were we were we were bitterly disappointed against france but we you know we knew we were going in the right direction and you know and and thankfully you know it has been uh it has been kind of clarified in, in the result against england and um you know it's 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 a big two weeks ahead of us. We've got a lot of work, you know. Uh, the Welsh team are, you know, will be ready, like like the seniors, like the senior men's. They'll be ready and waiting for the Irish team to come over. So we just got to really, really knuckle down and look at them from a from a defensive point of view, and and hopefully then employ a couple of things in attack that will uh, that will ho- hopefully catch them and uh, get us on the right track. What are those? Well, I won't say improvements in attack because that's not the word you use, but the things in attack that you want to 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 do that perhaps you haven't done so far. Well, again, it'll all depend on the um, on, on the opposition, and you know, again, everyone is talking about the analysis side of things now, and you know, we'll we'll have a good look at the Welsh games, and, and no doubt the Welsh will have uh, a good look at our games. So it's 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 really turning into a game of chess nowadays. The uh, the, the, the whatever grade of rugby you're playing, you know, the the work behind the scenes is really really strong now. So we'll have a look at the Welsh. Uh, we'll see how they defend. We'll see what kind of patterns and and what kind of um, little little, little uh, things that they, they do in defence that hopefully we can exploit through you know a couple of little strike plays and stuff like that and you know we just have to be very very vigilant then on the other side of the ball that we have to uh, you know we have to not be hard on ourselves but just be honest with ourselves that certain areas that may be, uh, may be areas of weakness that we really have to make sure we tidy up on. Having come very close against France and having I suppose beaten the world champions in England would it now be a big disappointment if you weren't to win the championship with the greatest respect to Wales and Scotland? But these are teams you've beaten regularly, or these players anyway, many of them have beaten regularly over the last couple of years anyway. Absolutely, you know, it's it's something that we've, that we've spoken about in relation to, you know... Um, the, the French and the French and English games at home were always going to be huge ones because of the way things have happened um, in the in the World Cup in, in in losing both games to to them. So we really earmarked those after getting off to uh, you know a pretty good start against Italy. But you know the, the, the Welsh the Welsh and the Scots they won't be uh, they're a very proud nation as we all know and you know they'll be they'll be looking for a scalp against us especially the Welsh um, you know who, who have also beaten England so you know it's 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 not being disrespectful to anyone it's uh, it's just about going about our business as best we can and hopefully then you know being competitive and especially away from home it's critical to be to be competitive and then hopefully then with the execution of the basics done correctly on both sides of the ball hopefully then we'll get our opportunity but you know. No, we're not we're not looking uh, any 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 further than the next game and we'll see what it goes you know the french 
you know, they've won all their games so far. So we'll be hoping that England will do do us a favour um, when they play. So it's uh, it's it's still all to play for. Um, but at the same time, we're not running away with ourselves or losing losing focus on what the job is at hand, and that is preparing for Wales. And what about yourself, Tom? You're a busy man coaching the Irish women's team, coaching Glenstall Abbey, who are in the uh, Munster Senior Schools Cup semi-final this week, and of course Cork Con, who are kind of uh, mid-table at the moment in, in, in Division 1A of the Ulster Bank League. Um, is, is that difficult or is it just a case that you enjoy it? Because obviously you're a rugby man, you're still very much uh, emerged in the game, and you know, you're living and breathing it 24-7. Is that, is, is that hard or is that easy or, or how do you view it? It's uh, yes, yes. I, I I do love it. Um, rugby is obviously a passion of mine, and uh, and I'm very very lucky to be able to um, to still be working. You know, <laughs> uh, doing something that I love. So it's uh, so it is something I love. But um, at the same time, it is a very big uh, it's a very big task. And the, and the critical factor is when you've got when you've got a number of jobs uh, in the short term on the on the go at the same time. It's about just prioritizing each one at, at specific times and not letting you know not letting yourself um, down by not being as good as you could be in each job um, it is only a short term um, situation that I find myself in um, with the three jobs going at the same time but you know I'm very very confident that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing as good as I can with, uh, with all three and, uh, and, and you know at the moment you know things are, things are going well on all fronts and um, you know we just have to keep going and just you know just keep doing just keep doing what I'm doing you know and, and hopefully then the, 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 you know, the results will hopefully come then, and that's but that's the beauty of rugby. That's the beauty of sport. You you just don't know, but you just try your best at and and hopefully give yourself the best opportunity. How difficult is it, or how how different is it coaching each of the three teams? Because the women's team, as you say, they have a professional attitude, but they all have jobs to do. They're all living lives with Glenstall. They're all focused very much on rugby, but they are kids, and with kids, you get inconsistencies and the various problems or issues or or whatever you want to call them of being a kid, and they have exams to look at as well. And then with Cork Con. You've, I suppose, people in very similar positions to to what a lot of the women's team are. You know, they're concentrating full time on rugby, but they're also holding on to jobs. And and for some of them, I mean, Darren Sweetnam, for example, would be one of your players with Corcon. He's also involved with Munster, and he's trying to make his way into a professional uh, career. So very different challenges in in all of those three roles. There, there absolutely is, you know, and 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 that is the. That is the that is as you say that's the challenge, but that's also the uh, the interest, and that's the that's the the, the the good thing about things as well. That you know we've 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 issues or we've uh, you know not issues, but we've got we've got challenges in each in each different area in different specific areas. So it's uh, it is it isn't easy. It's it, it's all about just being um, just being aware of your situation and, and and aware of your surroundings and acting accordingly. Obviously, there's different dynamics going on in each group, and it's just about you know working with that. Not against us, and uh, and and then at the end of the day, you know, me as a me as a coach, and me as a you know, and me as a leader of these teams, to be as professional and as be you know, and 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 have all the characteristics of a good coach on display as much as possible, and that's and at the end of the day, that's all you can hope for from a coach, and that's and that, and that's all that I you know that that I'm willing you know that I'm able to give, and hopefully then. The quality of the player will, you know, will, will shine through, and the quality of the performance and the and and the team will will shine through. But it's it's purely about me, just you know, going in there, being as professional as possible, understanding this, uh, the, the 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 scenario and the situation that I'm in, and then acting accordingly. Okay, Tom Tierney, head coach of the Ireland women's team, Glenstall Abbey, and Cork Constitution. Thanks for joining us on the Rewind. You're more than welcome, Oshie. This is the Rewind on News Talk. Remember, you can contact us on Monday, rewind at newstalk.com. Raf Diallo of Team 33 and Off the Ball joins us. Uh, Raf, 
Before we talk about the Airtricity League, which is back next weekend, let's talk about the uh, Capital One Cup final. Chelsea beating Spurs 2-0, but they had a very good slice of fortune, didn't they, with uh, two deflected goals? Yeah, two deflected goals, but you always felt they were in control. Yes, of course, the ones you're referring to, John Terry's and then Diego Costa's, uh, which I suppose if it had gone in other directions, maybe it would have gone wide or maybe been stopped by the goalkeeper. But uh, look, I think uh, Tottenham weren't, well, it was, in some ways it was an even game, but at the same time, you always felt that Chelsea just had the game in their grasp and it wasn't going to be really an issue. They had Harry Kane under control for the most part. Christian Eriksen was How did they stop Harry Kane while other teams haven't been able to do that this year? Noticeably, of course, they lost Matic, who's been an important part of their midfield, but what what Mourinho actually did was put Kurt Zuma, the young central defender, in defensive midfield. So that's basically three centre-halves patrolling that area. So you've got John Terry, Gary Cahill and Zuma. And that really cuts off the space Eriksen has and also Harry Kane really couldn't really if obviously he didn't have the service so get no he, balls get no goals get no balls get no goals no um, obviously you've got Andros Townsend also out on the wing and his record in terms of his deliveries is fairly ordinary so um, yeah they didn't really have as, that much attacking threat they were unlucky as well that Eriksen hit the crossbar with a free kick if that had gone in it probably would have made Chelsea have to come out and you know chase the game in a much more uh in a much more frantic manner and that probably would have suited Tottenham then to hit them on the break. Yeah, well that was the Capital One Cup final. What about Liverpool's win over Manchester City? I don't want to talk so much about the game itself but Phil Thompson told News Talk Breakfast that City need to sign a lot more players. Now, a lot of people will listen to that and think that's a bit odd considering the amount of signings they have made but there is actually logic in that. And there's, Yeah, there is logic and even Robbie Savage who probably isn't associated with logic uh, <laughs> on a regular basis uh, on match day, he actually made a really good point that when you actually look at the number of signings they made and we're talking about 200 million worth of talent how many of them would actually get in the squad? You know, ever since the you know the time they saw or they signed Silva, Torre, you know, Company, Aguero who have they really brought in that's really added to that? And you kind of think... Not many. I mean, even they've had that centre half problem beside Company, and uh, and as, as an aside, Company has not been in great form himself recently. But they've never really solved that. They brought in Mangala for thirty two million. Of course, this is his first season, so you wouldn't really judge him. But it's not been impressive for that amount of money. And yeah, for thirty two million, I'd go ahead and judge him. I have to say. Yeah. Well, okay, fair enough. Yeah. It's just I've, I'm applying the logic I've been using with Angel Di Maria, who I'm not. I'm giving a season before I, you know, I use it use any definitive word like flop or anything like that, you know. So, but look, um, you look at that squad like people like Jesus Navas who gets a good few starts on the wing, but you're not, you know, he's not exactly that impressive. You got people like Clichy who has won two league titles, but yeah. is he is he a real top top level full back? I would have my doubts. Um, you know, you look through the midfield as well. Did Pellegrini get his tactics wrong for this Liverpool game because? Whatever yeah. about signings, it was the tactics that really cost them against Barcelona. Yeah, and maybe all, yeah. as well, guys just not working hard. There is that as well. Like I mean, there were some great graphics on Match of the Day as well, where they kind of showed the gap between the defensive midfielder, who was Fernandinho, and then the three kind of the Toure, um, Nasri, Silva, far away from him, pressed up and leaving huge gaps. And the thing with Liverpool's formation, Coutinho and uh, Lalana. Although they're they're it's it's a four three or a three four three and they're supposedly wide players they actually took in quite a lot so they're actually just occupying spaces that city defenders weren't sure what to do with and the fact that the midfield wasn't helping out there's a huge gap between defence and midfield which Liverpool exploited 
Now the Electricity League is back this weekend. The usual debate is what standard is the league? Why doesn't it get more coverage, etc.? What do you think is the talking point ahead of the league start? Because there always seems to be one and it's not always necessarily about the football. Yeah, it's not yeah, it's not always about the football. Although in terms of off field issues there would be nothing kind of major for me standing out. It's what I kind of find interesting is the fact, you know, who's going to be the surprise package this year, mm. really on the pitch, you know, um, last season it would have been Cork City who okay, I think we would have expected maybe a top half finish, but nobody expected them to be in the title race until the final day of the season. Um, and I suppose the season before that, I think it was a Drada. Anyway, there's usually one team that uh, that usually, you know, takes it to the wire that you wouldn't have expected. So that's what I'm kind of interested to see who it might be, because Cork City have strengthened a bit as well, and there's, they seem to be doing great work down there. So I'd be interested to see how far they can how far they can go this year, and whether they can go the extra step, or you know, if Dundalk can actually retain the title, because it seems to be quite a difficult thing to do now. And there's some very good managers involved, Caulfield. With Cork City. Very good and, Stephen yeah. Kenny with Dundalk yeah. Pat Fenlon with Shamrock Rovers yeah. there's, there's one thing I love doing on tr- Twitter it's trolling Hibs fans and just saying ah look what happened after you got rid of Fenlon now you appreciate yeah, him no, you appreciate they, they didn't at the time yeah no even I think in, in within League of Ireland circles there's a kind of perception maybe that he spent a lot of money and that's maybe where you know the titles came from but I don't think so I've always rated him highly as a manager I think he's very you know his record speaks for itself plenty of plenty of managers have gone into the the more powerful clubs in the country and not really not really done it so yeah. I, I would rate him highly and I'd be interested to see you know Shamrock Rovers have been a little bit out of the picture for the last couple of years so I'd love to see how far they can go yeah, they've got some good players this year look we're going to talk about the league um, throughout its its season so we're not doing too much obviously this week but what I would say and you might agree or disagree here Raf, people talk about what the Electricity League isn't we should really enjoy it for what it is if you like going to see some good live action and there are some very good players and we, we, we've seen oh, that the proof is there players, yeah. yeah the proof is there in, in some of the European results and maybe some of the um, guys who have gone on to play in England over the last couple of years and there are far more ways to judge it than that those are yeah. just the two that come to the top of my mind but see the thing is is some League of Ireland fans whinge about the amount of coverage it gets as compared to the Premier League or other sports and they think it should be you know top billing and everything it shouldn't be let's, let's not kid ourselves no, but look, the interest isn't there for that yeah, it, it actually yeah. gets way over and above what it deserves in the papers, yeah. especially in RTE, have a have a highlight show dedicated to it. And, you know, that that's something a lot of sports would kill for. But even saying all that, I'm not saying it's it's bad. I'm just saying, it, you know, it is enjoyable if if you want to go out and enjoy a, a good life product and get involved yeah. in something local. Yeah, no, it is good. Like, And the thing is, you go to any ground, and I've gone to many of them, mm. and particularly in the Dublin area over the last three years, kind of covering games and... You know, you've always got the hardcore there, and they're really, really passionate. That's the you have to admire that, even you know, in the worst weather. Yeah, you too know. passionate at times. Well, yeah, I remember a particular match where Derry went to Bray, and it was the worst weather I've ever seen. We're basically in a press box holding plastic bags over our computer, so nothing gets electrified. <laughs> but there's three Derry fans. Now that's not a lot, yeah. but the fact that they're still there in gale force winds, you know without jackets or anything, standing in the away ground, which isn't sheltered, and I think anybody who's been to Bray will know that. Yeah. Um, you Bray know, as I a town is not sheltered. Yeah, it's not sheltered from the sea, but the actual away section mm-hmm. uh, where the press box is isn't uh, isn't that sheltered either. And uh, look, it's their dedication to the hardcore fans is something you have to admire, really. Um, it's just... They have, there has to be maybe a way of thinking, how do you spread it beyond that? How do you get people more... Yeah. And that's always going to be... that's. 
that seems to be the sticking point and, it's, and there's no real answer for that either Well Cavan Teeley are yet another Dublin club but they're a different kind of Dublin club Richie Sadler has spoken about this he says they have foundations they have links to the, the, the schools networks they're not going in just to get guys to England or just to yeah. win the league and spend crazy money because they're not actually spending money on players much if you know what I mean they're not actually paying their players so they could be a bit of a template couldn't they they could be, although there was also good talk about um, one of the two Galway sides that were there before the, the yeah. amalgamation happened. So we're talking about obviously um, Salt Hill Devon and uh, uh, Murphy United. Um, that they were kind of they came through kind of junior structures, and they had you know they had good they had a good foundation. Now obviously they've been put together as kind of Galway United FC almost. So yeah. uh, look, it's. I I'm not, I wouldn't be an expert on what Cabin Teeley are doing. I just think it was interesting in a way that they actually that it was decided that they'd bring a club in from Dublin. Um, well, you see, no one else put their hand up. Yeah, no one did. In fairness, yeah, in fairness, they didn't. It's just um, I suppose for someone like myself who would have grown up outside of the outside of the big smoke, you know, mm. we you know we don't. It's not like we have a lot of soccer clubs to choose from. So you're kind of thinking maybe there must be catchment areas, maybe where there might it's possible to maybe grow something. But then again. Maybe we're kind of underestimating it because I, I remember talking to um, Mick Wallace three or four years ago, and he was talking about the fact that you know all if you notice all the clubs in the country they're coming from garrison towns, old garrison towns really. So and when you're go, kind of going beyond that, maybe are I'm sure every garrison town is covered. Okay, Raf Diallo, thanks for joining us. You'll be able to hear Raf on the Team Thirty Three podcast out on Tuesday, and also. Uh, he writes for the News Talk website, newstalk.com. That's it for this week on The Rewind. We're back next week when we'll have more on the Six Nations and a detailed look ahead to Wales against Ireland. The bid for the Grand Slam continues. We're very much jumping on the hype machine. We'll also have reaction to the Alliance League hurling at football weekend and the first weekend of the Electricity League. That plus more. Until next Monday, goodbye. Monday Rewind. Exhaustion. Captain O'Connell, but Ireland have beaten England here, and they remain unbeaten in the Six Nations. I think our first half discipline was very good. First 20 minutes of the second half was excellent. Our half kicked really well, knocked the points over the bar. Robbie Henshaw took a great try. The shot for Coutinho! That's a spectacular goal! He's done it for the second time in a week! Billy Coutinho bends it beyond Joe Hart and Liverpool lead 2-1. We can get into the top four this season. It's a better achievement than what we did last year because of the our start position at the end of the, at the beginning of this season. But there's still a lot of games to go. Thomas Wyszynski on the edge of the D shoots low right footed, takes a deflection. That's all three points for Arsenal. It's Arsenal 2, Everton 0. You see it's very tight uh, in the top. It's very tight behind us. We are not far away from Man City. So that will just be down to the consistency of our performances.